It's Iron Bowl week, and we're going to talk about it here. As promised, this is going to be the Iron Bowl preview. Probably one of the weirdest previews we've ever done because Auburn has not lost to a group of five school before an Iron Bowl, at least not in my lifetime. Quite the storyline pivot from what we thought it was going to be a week ago. Welcome to the Auburn Daily Show. It's your host, Alex, a.k.a. Auburn Memes. Very, very long, special, long-time coming guests with us. None other than Chris Marler at Vern Funquist with Saturday on South, host of the Saturday Football Uncensored show. Welcome, Chris. Are you ready to talk about some Iron Bowl? I am, man. I'm excited. It's been a, uh, like... I would not have thought that the Iron Bowl week would have started the way it did. I definitely would not have thought that I would have pissed off Bama fans to start the week as a guy that grew up in an Alabama household. Um, you know, just kind of wild. Wild starts the week. I don't think any of us expected Saturday. Um, but that yeah, being so said, where were, so yeah, where ahead. were you when when it happened? When you guys lost in New Mexico State? <laughs> I said it. I didn't specify what it was. Rolling on the floor laughing is where I was. Um, like, I, I mean, here's the thing. Like, in baseball, like, like, I played baseball like my whole life. But I remember, like, longer season, it's very different. games in baseball, a lot of times, just in college. We would, like, just try to get out of a slump, get out of a funk, and, like, you would just throw that game away. Go out with your buddies forget about it. Maybe don't, maybe either go to the, the cage and get extra reps in, or just like, don't at all, just switch it up completely. But either way you get that game and that taste out of your mouth as far away, like, you know, as, as far away as you can, just, just put it in like, bury it, throw it away, whatever. That's like the case for this New Mexico state loss for Auburn. Like it sucks. It's embarrassing, but here's the thing. Stop comparing to Louisiana Monroe. Stop comparing it to like other, I saw something today. It might've been from this publication. I don't know. That was like, you know, Kirby Smart barely beat Nichols State, and you went, stop comparing it to other schools and just say, we got our behinds kicked by a G5 school. I mean, they got embarrassed at home. But this game, the Iron Bowl, never plays out like that. Like, even in Bama's, like, national championship years, 2015, it did not play out like that, right? Yeah, I like, mean, a gimpy, a gimpy Jeremy Johnson, <clears throat> a, a gimpy Jeremy Johnson came in and made those games at least for at times i believe it was the the 2015 game was fairly close at least for the first half maybe even I going think into the third quarter. Point. it was like a, I With, think the final was like 29 to 13 mm -hmm. you know i mean yeah but like but also bama scored like on the last play of that game or like one of the last plays of the game was like within the last minute so i mean Hell, you guys had a, a gimpy TJ Finley out there in 2021. He was basically like a telephone pole with a right arm and, and moved like one, and you guys still took him to four overtime. So I think, like, there's a lot to process from that loss, but I think you process it next year. I think you process it after the season. You get yourself in your mind right, ready for this game. And I think it's going to be a good game. Now, I'm trying to pull up that, and I – for those out there listening, the allergies, the sinuses, the food poisonings I'm currently suffering from, unreal. So this this is a uh, we're fighting through this podcast. If I yeah, sound I have my tongue, and so I have like a little bit of a lisp. Yeah. So this is uh, we you have Chris and I's worst versions of ourselves. So yeah, I can't say Mississippi apologies. State. <laughs> apologies ahead of time. 
All right, so I told you I was going to ask this very uncomfortable question right out of the gate here. Oh, before I do that, uh, that Iron Bowl 2015 was into the first quarter. It was 6-3, and then it was 12-0 into halftime. So Alabama on a 12-point lead, and then both teams scored in the third quarter, and then Alabama got 10 in the fourth. So up until the very end there, I mean, that wasn't a horrifically – and I think Auburn no. scored before Alabama did the third. I mean, it was a – the, the the game the score was closer than the game was but yeah you have one drive that makes a difference there it goes and that was obviously a very beat up very injured Auburn team of course with Sean White out and Jeremy Johnson so yeah I was going to ask you this if Auburn wins this game what's the score if Auburn wins this game I would say like a you wouldn't let Bama get to the thirties because because Auburn's not going to score thirty. Um, I mean, it would, it would be like one of those eighties, like I mean, I'm dating myself here, obviously, but like 20, I think like the 85 game, I think the final score was like 25, 23. Um, it would be like a 24 to 23 type of game, like the 97 game. It would be like maybe the 2010 game where it's like a, a, a 28, 27. Here, here's my opinion on this game for Auburn to win. I know they didn't win this game, but to win the game. I think you need to come out like you did in 2009. And that is, you have nothing to lose, right? Like, double reverse pass. Like, I think I think the way that game started was uh, Chris, what was his name? The quarterback? Chris Todd. Chris Todd, Chris Todd came out. And there was like a double reverse pass for a touchdown. Auburn went up 7-0. Bama's ranked number two in the country, undefeated, trying to get to the BCS National Championship game. And... They go up seven nothing. They they do an onside kick and they score again and, and just like that they're they're up fourteen nothing. I think if you're Auburn, that's the kind of stuff you have to do. You got like Bama's been a really really good second half team, but here's the thing: all of these second half comebacks they've had have been at home, right? Like they they had a huge second half comeback against Ole Miss. They had a big second half comeback against Tennessee, and then LSU they're tied at the half, down by seven earlier in third, and they come from behind in that game and two or that game two and win. They've been really good at making second half adjustments, but you know the only time they've really had to, to, to prove any of that on the road was A and M. And A and M is not a great team for one. They had a backup quarterback, in. and on top of that, you know, like that game was a twenty-six to twenty final. Like, Auburn needs to keep this thing close in the second half. And I hate to use this cliche, but you guys know it's true as Auburn fans is. Keep it close in the second half, and if you're ahead, let Jordan Hare work, man. Like, let Jordan Hare go to work and, and like, and have that crowd stay in it. Because because one thing I know about Auburn fans more than anything, I don't care if they would have beaten New Mexico State by 50 last week or lost to them like they did by three scores. They are going to show up and win. win right? The pregame clock in Jordan Hare that's saying, hey, there's this many minutes to kick off. When that hits zero – and this time, David Housel said, like, those fans will have turned themselves into full-on believers that they are going to up to Alabama. And I think that's what you have to do. Yeah, I think the funniest thing is, and, and I, people joked about it, but, like, I think the joke will soon become a reality because I think you're right because it was like, if we'd beat New Mexico State, I'd have spent all week talking to myself into how we were going to win this game. And you heard Rick in that Twitter space, which was incredible for those who weren't there this past Saturday <laughs> night. Oh, Rick. Just, and Rick is over there screaming, and we, I mean, due to the uh, graphic nature, we can't repeat some of the things Rick said, but 
Rick was going through some things. Yeah. And, you know, even Rick said that he was going to wake up Saturday. He was going to have a few drinks. And before that kickoff, he was going to somehow talk himself into this win. And I think you're right. Yeah. There will be some people that do that. They'll probably go to the tailgate. They'll start drinking early. They'll get a little loose and look at that stadium. You say, you know what? This is special. We're going to win this. And that's going to be the greatest feeling to like probably the first five minutes of the first quarter. And mm-hmm. then it's going to be I like, mean, okay, probably a little this... longer than that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, maybe. You never know. Maybe. Uh, but yeah, so the other thing, I love transitive property when it pushes the narrative that I want to push. And by the transitive property, Alabama only beat Arkansas by three points. Yeah. So. Is there a follow-up there? Or are you just telling me, you reminded me of that nightmare? No, I, I mean, I'm just saying Auburn beat Arkansas by over three touchdowns. So, like, by if the math adds up there, which I don't see how it couldn't, Auburn should be favored this game. Yeah, by a lot. Yeah, I don't know what. I mean, if Bama fans, if Bama's watching Polar Express at halftime, but uh, you know, like all signs should be pointing to an Auburn win. That would be incredible. That'd be a great troll if they just put Polar Express on in the like with no remote, <laughs> like they can't turn it off. <laughs> that would be like, good. Like they mounted just TVs everywhere, and they're in Polar Express this play because obviously that whatever Tom Hanks magic had something there that 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 got him. But well, the you other know, thing I want to Iowa, Iowa painted the their visitors' locker room pink because, like, just like from the human nature, like from the human nature, like that's a very soft color that it's like hard to be like super pumped. It doesn't. It doesn't like like light pink doesn't like evoke a lot of I don't know hype <laughs> emotions. So they painted their visitors' locker room pink. That's what you guys should do for your visitors' locker room. It's just paint it pink wanna- and then like Polar Express posters up everywhere. I'm going to take that to the next extreme. I'm thinking like a, a day spa, like have the mm. lights real low, have some plants, like essential oils diffusing in yeah. there with some like very kind of call, like, you know, white noise, maybe like rain, basically it kind of put them to sleep. Like, I like that. You know, like it, there's gotta be like, I'd be really curious to like, is there any, cause it's not like harassing or it's not like an inhumane deal. I think it's more like therapeutic. Just like, you know, we want to put them in a really nice environment and like almost so relaxing where they're just like, might be on something there. I need to yeah. make some calls. Because, I mean, that wouldn't cost a lot of money. I mean, it's not like day spas or, you know, Auburn's got the boosters to make that happen. So, for sure. Uh, going back to what I was saying earlier about Las Vegas, the spread for this game, I think, is sitting at 15, 15 and a half. 14 and a half is what I saw this morning. 14 and a half. What do you think about that spread? Uh, as a Bama fan, I like it because. I was I was kind of shocked. I think I think it was like ten a week ago. It was that ten, which is Probably. concerning. Maybe but maybe something thing. happened in the last week that changed that. Oh no. Um. Sorry. Hold on a second. Uh. Something is going viral. Um. Anyway, no. So I, I like. I think that's good. I think the concern is, like. If you're if you're wanting a positive for Auburn, especially um, Vegas, there's not one, so, but I appreciate you trying. I got you. Vegas has been so wrong about Alabama for most of the year, and you look at six of those nine games, there's actually been a spread they played, right? Um, or maybe it's even maybe it's six of ten, but like in the really the big ones, like Texas, Ole Miss, Tennessee, t- uh, Texas A and M. Texas A and M was closer. Kentucky, LSU. Um, and then, like in those so those seven games, 
You're talking about a spread that was set by Vegas and that they were wrong about by at least seven points or more. Texas, you're a Texas, you're a you're a what do you call it? A um a seven point favorite, you lose by 10. Uh Tennessee, you're a seven point favorite, you win by 14. LSU, you're a, a three point favorite, you win by 14. AM got all the way down to a pick'em at one point. They won by six and, and, and AM scored late, but like Ole Miss, seven point favorite, you won by by 14. Kentucky, 10 point favorite, you won by 28. Like Vegas has not really done a good job at pinning down what Alabama is. Um, so I think at the 14 and a half, it's confusing because it, 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 it makes sense on paper, right? Like Bama should be able to go in here and, and beat this team by more than 14 points. But we've seen this before. 2021, they were a 21 point favorite with a much better team, mind you. What, and, what's and, the total? What's the total points scored for this no, game like combined? We, are you asking what Vegas has to at? Yeah, yeah. What does Vegas have it at? I'm only doing your job for you. Um, I got a. I, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in Studio Barn right now, and I've got. I don't really have a great mouse setup, so I appreciate. Yeah. It. I don't, I'm Total not on the desk. I'm, I'm on a, a pile of books on a nightstand. Forty-eight and a half. Yeah. Okay, so we'll just we'll call it forty-nine points. You're saying so, so they're basically saying it's a thirty-one of seventeen game. What, that was very quick math. Well, That's what it's I was a fourteen and a half point spread. That was incredible. Good job. Yeah. Nice. Oh, nice. Wait, yeah. wait, put on silent. Uh, so here's my thing about Alabama, and I, I got a few things I want to get here. I want to get your opinion on them, and or my my takes of this. So, what is unusual about this Bama team to, to years in the past is I cannot remember really a Bama team that has just gotten progressively better as the season goes on. Uh-huh. Usually, they come out strong and they just stay strong. Yeah, but th- this is a Bama team that. At the beginning of the season, I think people are looking at the schedule saying there's easily, after the Texas loss, there's probably two more losses at least on the schedule. I think people had Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn circled and saying, we'll even go A&M. I say they lose two of those four. And -hmm. obviously that didn't happen and the trajectory is looking much better. So so much so to where they benched Milrow against USF. And that, that was just where I was just throwing the hands up in the air, the you know, I prayed for days like this meme. I'm like, it finally has happened Yeah, to where the everything that I've just wanted this program to go through, they're finally going through. And it, it really felt great for about seven days. And yeah, I, I tell you what, the biggest mistake that came out of that was uh, the day after my Auburn grad girlfriend asked me to go to a wedding shower uh, on December 2nd. And we had just played South Florida and and won in not very convincing fashion. So I was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, I'm not, who cares? Like, Dan's not going to make it. But I will say this. I said this for the, the start of the season. Like, and, and I stand by it. People aren't going to like to hear this, especially on an Auburn episode, but I'm just being honest. And I feel like I've said a lot of positive things to Auburn fans no, so you've far. Done, you've done great. You've done great. Hear me out here. This whole concept of, like, the dynasty being dead, it's not what it once was. I think that's fair to say. They're, like you look at different positions and position units, and there's a, there's a noticeable drop off. Offensive line, wide receiver play, quarterback clearly. Even though Milrow has been outstanding for most of the year, but here's the thing: this whole idea that the dynasty is dead. I've heard this for like the last three or four years in a row. Like you know, because you're not going to be able to like replicate the crazy success 
that that Bama has had over the last like 15 years under Saban. No one will. I mean, maybe Georgia, but like I don't know. Like it's so much sustained success that it's it's like mind blowing. I mean, nine national title games appearances in 14 years, six natties in in in, 14, in, in 12 years at one point. That is insane. But like the idea that the dynasty is dead. I think fans, rival fans, wanted to believe that so badly that it became their narrative. And it became like, no, like the dynasty's dead. They're going to lose three or four games this year. And and I said in the summer, and people didn't want to listen to this, I said last summer going to the Texas game that this Bama team would would only win that game by one score because Texas, it's on the road. People don't want to give them credit. And like, blah, blah, blah. They won by one point. This season, going into the season, I said they would lose that game by 10-plus points. They lost by 10 points exactly. And then – you know, you have your backs against the wall for the rest of the season. And I'm pleasantly surprised that Bama's been able to be as good as they've been throughout the year. But the idea that the dynasty's dead just because you want it to be, I want a lot of things. I want to lose weight. I want Georgia to lose a game. You know, I want to not lose my keys every morning. All those things I want to happen, none of them happen. None of them happen. So, like, just because you want to believe something willing to exist doesn't mean it's going to happen. good title for this episode will be iron bowl score results be damned the dynasty's dead yeah yeah for sure good okay all right all right well that'll be a good title for it so just be on the lookout for that please retweet that um so i'm not i i know that was a lecture to me i'm not like Alabama will win a national championship this year, and I will still like be tweeting that the dynasty's dead. So just well, it's not a lecture to just don't... you; it's a lecture to a lot of people. I mean, like I said this all off season again. Like if you're dancing on the grave, dance lightly. There's one like now they've beaten LSU, now they've beaten Tennessee, and I said this over and over and over. Like like you lost by four combined points on the last play of the game on the road to two ranked teams. With what we now know are generational quarterbacks, Jaden Daniels and, and Hinden Hooker, and everyone wanted to be like the sky is falling. And then like, and I kept looking at the schedule, and I'm like, they get all these games at home. Like they get Tennessee, LSU, Ole Miss. All those games are at home. Like the Auburn game is terrifying because you got to go on the road to Jordan Hare. And but like, unless you are living in Athens, Georgia, or or are constantly adorned in, in like red and black, and and like barking at at, at children and, and people of all ages. And you're a Georgia fan, nobody in the country should be allowed to talk trash to Bama fans right now. Because like all they've done is sat here and heard over and over. And, and and it's it's really like the country's fault. Like it's all y'all's fault for like sitting here and, and and believing this narrative, throwing it all over social media, Saban's watched, all this kind of stuff. And like, and now it's kind of come back, you know. That, but what's it, what do they say? The chickens come home to roost? Like. Now you got to sit here and you made your bed. Now you got to lie in it. So you have to wait another year at least. And you know what? I will absolutely be spreading the narrative next year. I know you will. Don't, don't think. Don't think it's going anywhere. But <clears throat> so honestly, dead. Sorry. Um. But let's go back to Milrow here. Okay. Milro, he has he's only had three games where he's thrown for less than 200 yards all season. And one of those was for 194 and one was for 197. And that was because they fundamentally didn't need to throw. Was it Middleton? 
and then Mississippi State because they just did it on the ground or right. they put backups in for cleanup duty. But every other yeah. big game, some of the biggest games, Milrow has thrown for quite a decent sum of yards. The inverse of that here, Peyton Thorne has only thrown for over 200 yards twice, and one of those was against Sanford, and one was against Mississippi State. Now, I'll give him the same benefit of the doubt that I gave Milrow. He did throw for 194 against Vandy. But for the most part, a good game from Peyton Thorne thus far has been in the mid-hundreds. Gross. What do you think about this? Because uh, th that's going to really come down to it, as shockingly to most folks will hear, that the quarterback will probably be the deciding factor of this game. What do you think about this matchup here between Milrow and Peyton Thorne? And I'm going to kind of ask it this way. What matchup and or does Auburn have to do to stop, exploit Milrow to have a chance in this? Yeah. And what does Peyton Thorne have to do, same deal, exploit Alabama, make happen whatever to have a chance for Auburn? You're going to have to press. You're going to play press man. You're going to have to play it well. You're going to have to get him into a situation early where he's got turnovers, right? Like, he's been really good the last several weeks. Auburn's going to have to take away the run. Um, and this is you the quarterback run or the ru running back run or just all the run? All the run. All, all the run. run. Okay. They're going to take away the all run. All the runs. Um, no runs. Got it. And and then get him in a situation where you have to you have to take away some of that confidence. Because one of the things that has happened with Milrow has been a lot of fun to see is that he's getting he's gained a lot of confidence. And deservingly so. I mean, that's a really good kid. Bama fans were were it was nowhere near the level of what Georgia fans did to Setson Bennett when he struggled. But they were pretty negative about him early on. Um, even halfway through the season you saw it. And it was just like, what the hell? I mean, like he's clearly the best option they have, but it's been really fun to watch him grow. And then you talk about the fact that like, you know, I think he's had like 13 touchdowns in the last three games combined. He's he's been really, really good. Um now to, to stop that, you're going to need to get him into like some situations that are going to be uncomfortable for him that Bama hasn't been in in a while. Because this is, again, like all of your tough games have been at home. Ole Miss, Tennessee, mm -hmm. LSU, all those games have been at home. Kentucky and, and Kroger Field is not Jordan Hare. College Station was a pretty big moment for him where he played out of his mind and had over 300 yards passing. It was awesome the entire day. One thing that you haven't seen, like the people have had success on it against Bama early, me and Pablo Escobar talk about this a lot, is they've been good on third downs, but they get into a lot of third downs. They get into a lot of third downs, and a lot of times it's third and long. And I think you're going to have to force them into a lot of third downs where, where you, if you're Auburn, you almost want this. Now hear me out here. You almost want to get it to third and three or less if you're Auburn because you want, you want Tommy Reese to take the ball out of Milrose's hands and give it to Jason McClellan. And, and that damn offensive line that's played better, but not anywhere near as good as they thought they were going to be at the start of the year, going into the season. Like, so if you can force Bama to run and take it away, I think that's where you have your success. Now, if you're Auburn at quarterback, shocked that how how bad statistically the passing game has been this year. Hugh Freeze is a guy that I think gets a lot of unfair comparisons to Gus Malzahn about his offense, but it's very different because in most instances, it's been predicated off the pass, not the run. Bo Wallace is a two-time two 3,000-yard passer. Um, I mean, to put that in perspective, Auburn's only had a 3,000-yard passer twice in program history. Bo Wallace did it twice when, under Hugh Freeze. Um, shocked that it hasn't been better, but I think it's mainly because you say what you want about the quarterback play, but also the receivers have been pretty pretty bad uh, and, and underwhelming this year in, in Auburn. You need something like you had 
with the Georgia game where, you know, you break like a 70-yard run early on in that game to get you down into into scoring uh, into the red zone. And that was that was Peyton Thorne who run. Yes, it was. Now I will say that game, and this is something that Auburn has done pretty much in the earlier parts of the year, even when they were having those struggle losses. And this is where I was ripping my hair out, but Auburn was getting set up basically by their defense. I mean, the game, the yeah. touchdown they scored against AM was a pick six, which just unfortunately didn't result in the trucking of Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> yeah. Al, I don't know how there's not, I don't know if that is a technical, I don't know if that's a sideline warning. I don't know if that is a 12 men on the field. Like, how did the referees be like, oh, there's a coach standing three yards into the field? It wasn't like he had a foot off the sideline. Just not a not a call, nothing. That was insane to me. But well, regardless, you you them, yeah, it was awesome. And yeah. I would have uh, loved to, I don't know, it would have been awesome to be talking. But anyway, the, the deal was if they had – in the Georgia game, too, they got the turnovers that put and I don't have anything really go their way with LSU. And the same deal, they got some turnovers, Cal. They gave really lopsided on competition. Auburn's defense has pretty much had to put the offense in positions to score right every time. And judging how the competition level here is going to be a lot closer to that of your Georgia, your A&M, your LSU, and, Miss, and Ole Miss, not saying the competition level of A&M, but at least the talent, because A&M does have yeah. talented players, just not well-coached players. Then, obviously, with Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Arkansas. They're going to have to kind of go back to that same type of mentality. I mean, for this game, I think even be remotely close, you're going to have to – it's going to have to be – Defense is going to have to get some turnovers, some crazy sacks. They're going to have to keep everything in front of them. With, I don't want to ask your opinion on this, but keep everything in front of them with Milrow because mm-hmm. it's very uh, it's very evident that Milrow's best, most potent part of his game is what he could do with the deep ball. And when mm-hmm. he connects with these guys and just gets these massive deals. Now, that also has been an inconsistent part because there's been times where you've just completely overthrown guys. But if you have three overthrows and two touchdowns, you take that every time. Mm-hmm. And Milrow has shown that that is something he's been very, very effective at. Now, Auburn has very, very good secondary. They're back healthy. They've been playing well. That's going to be a very interesting matchup to see how that goes because there have been some times to where overall the secondary has been good. There have been times where a player has been kind of caught sleeping a game. They're not always as a unit playing as consistently as they need to. If they can all play to their – max potential when they need to and they scheme it upright to keep it in front of them and just say hey we'll give you the we'll give you the mid-range throws we will give you some of the easy runs and just see if we can stop it when it counts but we're not going to let you torch us with a massive just crowd and and you said the other thing too is those big plays take the crowd out of it and you'd said Mm -hmm. to the crowd the crowd the crowd i still think that was one of the biggest issues in new mexico state is you're going to lose the crowd in this game I hope they show up. I hope they believe. I hope they bug themselves 
into whatever it takes to get them like thinking that this is an actual chance to upset Alabama. Right. I don't say I'm necessarily believing that, but once again, we just need 80 something thousand other people to do that. And then offensively, I, I don't even begin to know what it's going to take offensively. Uh, Auburn does have a kicker who hasn't missed a field goal this season. So maybe Auburn can kick like 10, 15 field goals, but yeah, I, I can't be like, oh, do what you did against Arkansas. Do what you do against Vandy. You can't say yeah. that, but in the sentence with Alabama. Yeah, so, I don't think I, I mean, that Auburn is going to be able to sustain drives against this Bama defense. Because Bama's defense is actually a lot better than people, I think, have really given them credit for. And they're really, really good in, like, the secondary. They've been really good, like, all over. But I think, like, um, I mean, you're going to have to have explosive plays. Like, like – you talk about like the the two long like plays like if you hit two, if you miss three and you hit two for Milrow like that's that makes sense but like you need you need something like that to happen at least twice I think if you're Auburn like Jarquest Hunter to get loose on somebody like you know somebody mm-hmm. like like loses contain or something like that on the edge um, you know I hate to say it but like I said like a trick play I would not be at all surprised to see a trick play in the first two drives of this game if you're Auburn like a um, you know, flea flicker, that one makes the most sense. Uh, or like a reverse pass. I think the reverse pass also makes a lot of sense. Um, you're gonna have to do something like that. And 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 like you remember keep somebody remember, remember what they did with the uh the Holden Ger- uh Gurner play. I, I can't remember if that was Georgia or Ole Miss. <laughs> he just got obliterated over there. Yeah, they but I still think it's like what they Not, have none to of do, that though. So. Yeah. So I I know we gotta wrap this up here, so I want to kind of give one more and this is a like what it would take to, you know, if I, if I pick the winning lottery numbers, I'll win the lottery. But for sake of the episode, yeah. I'm going to do it. For Auburn to win and or have a chance in this game, I think what you're going to do exactly what I said you do on defense, keep everything in front of you, dare them to run it, and they're going to have to get pressure on Miller. They're going to do pretty much exactly what they did to Bryce Young in 2021 and keep uncomfortable. Do I yeah. love the chances of that? Not really, but if you can somehow put it together and get some sacks and – do whatever it takes to not let him connect on those deep balls. Big deal. I think you got to lean on the clock rules here. And I think the best case scenario for Auburn is this is an extremely low scoring game. Both mm-hmm. teams are under 20 and you just blink and you're like, Oh wow, we're almost at the fourth quarter. Yeah. And you kind of realize like, Oh shoot, we've only had a possession or two. Kind of, what New Mexico state did to Auburn is they only had yeah. one possession in the first quarter. And then at the very end of it, they got it and it had a, with like a minute left, they got it on their second possession. You do stuff like that and just absolutely obliterate the time possession and just hope Alabama is trying to keep it on the ground and eat that clock up. And then just like you said there, just get one or two big plays of a yeah, Jarquez breaks away, somebody missed assignment, special teams and or defensive touchdown, and then just hope, hope, hope that whatever do whatever you can to keep this Alabama offense off the field and just have that crowd be yeah. as ruckus as possible. Like I said, I don't love the chances of that. But that would be the formula for success. I think what is more likely to happen is going to be kind of what Las Vegas said. So yeah. that is going to conclude us for the thoughts on this Iron Bowl. I don't even want to put adjectives to describe this thing. One of th- oh, Chris had his hands up. Yes, Chris. No, I got to go. I got to go. I have another show. Oh, you're waving. Oh, it was a figurative wave. I thought yeah. it was like a – oh, I have a question. Anyway, well, last thing we'll do, uh, Chris, uh, tell everybody where they can find you and check out all the content you have going on. Yeah, um, so Chris Marler, it's Saturday Down South, uh, is – wait, that's my email address. I don't know why I get that out. Um, 
So Vern Funquist on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Vern Funquist, like I said, it's um, we have Saturday Football Uncensored as the podcast. Uh, we have new episodes that come out. We have a live episode on Sunday night, and then we have a um, a show that comes out every Wednesday night or, or Thursday morning as well. We have a, a hotline as well. Uh, I don't have the number in front of me, of course, otherwise I probably shouldn't have brought that up. But um, yeah, check out the podcast. It's a lot of fun. I always say if you if you love football and hate the bleep button, Saturday Football Uncensored is for you. So yeah, check us out, and I will hopefully I hope you guys have a great Thanksgiving and a great Iron Bowl, regardless of who wins. And uh, I will hopefully talk to you guys again soon. Absolutely, it is the greatest rivalry in college football, arguably one of the greatest rivalries in all the sports. It is Iron Bowl week, Iron Bowl weekend. No matter what, is always an exciting game. No matter what the situations are, hope that this one will be. I want to thank everybody for tuning into today's episode. It'll be on YouTube, your podcast, Albert Daily Show. Like, subscribe, leave some comments, reviews, all that stuff. Support the show. Appreciate it a lot. And of course, thank Chris for coming on. That is going to be a wrap today. And we'll be back with another episode recapping and previewing the Iron Bowl week tomorrow. You guys have a good day.